Our passage this morning comes from Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we come before you on this Mother's Day, and we want to give you thanks. We want to thank you for the mothers in our lives. Thank you for our biological mothers who gave us life, who cared for us, who you saw through safely so that we might have life. We thank you for them. And we also thank you for our spiritual mothers. In some cases, these are the same person, our biological and our spiritual mothers. Father, we thank you for the other women in our lives who have cared for us, who have loved us well by caring for us through your word, through the ministry of your saints. So we thank you for the mothers in our lives who have set an example for us in Christ-likeness, who have cared for us. We thank you for them. They are a gift to us. We thank you for the mothers in our midst. We thank you for the examples that we have before us that we are able to see on a daily and weekly basis of how they exhibit Christ-likeness through their motherly role. Father, they are a gift. And Father, in light of Mother's Day, we also thank you for children. We thank you for the, the coos and the cries that we even hear in our midst this morning. Father, these are not a distraction but a reminder of your goodness that you are a God of life and that you desire to bring life into this world. Father, help us to participate in that. Help us to continue to have children. Help us to continue to adopt children into our homes. Help us continue to care for foster children. Father, give us a culture that loves children because we love you and we love life. Help us to love our children well, to protect the vulnerable amongst us. And Father, in our day and age, there is a mass genocide of abortion going on. Help us to push back against the culture of death. Help us to see fewer abortions, more mothers caring for their children, more adoptions. Let it never be said of us that we are only vocal about the problem, but help us to pursue Christ-likeness in this way, that we care for the vulnerable. We love the motherless. We love the mothers who feel like they have no other option. And Father, I pray that if there is a a woman in our midst this morning or a man in our midst that has encouraged a woman to pursue an abortion, Father, they would find grace and reconciliation and forgiveness at the cross of Christ. Father, we know that you are not beyond these things, that you save and you redeem and you bring us back to yourself. So we pray that you do that, even this morning through the preaching of your word. We do thank you for Pastor Samuel and we pray for his congregation this morning, Grace Evangelical. We pray that that church would continue to be built up and to serve the kingdom well, and that eternal fruit would be born out of their ministry, that many in that area of the, of the world would come to know Christ through their faithful ministry, through their proclamation of the gospel. And we thank you for Pastor Samuel's presence with us this morning. We pray that as he brings your word to us, that it would be clear what your word says, and that it would lead us, as this proverb says, to trust you with all our hearts. Father, forgive us where we haven't trusted you and use your word and your spirit to make us trust you more. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Good morning. morning. 
Well, friends, it is such a joy to be here with you. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this. Thank you for having me. Uh, I bring you greetings from the elders and the members at Grace Church in Sharjah. We love you guys. We pray for you. And we're so grateful for the partnership that we have in the gospel. You have blessed us in, in so many ways. And for that, we are grateful. We're truly grateful. Right now in, in Sharjah, uh, where I am, um, we are unable to gather as a church in, in my city uh, because of the heavy restrictions that the government has imposed on church buildings. So at the room that we used to meet, um, they are now allowing only 30 people and, and no kids and no one above 60. And so for the past one year, we have been driving to the next city uh, 45 minutes away and meeting at a church building there. So pray for us, pray for endurance. We've been doing that for a whole year and we wanna be back uh, in Sharjah as a local church there and preach the gospel. So we really appreciate uh, your prayers for that. It's always a, a delight and privilege to be with the Lord's people on a Sunday morning uh, to worship our Savior together. It's wonderful, isn't it? There is nothing more essential to our lives than to be in the presence of the Lord sitting under the preaching of his word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so if you have a Bible this morning, please open it up and turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. These are some of the most well-known verses in scripture. Uh, but also, I would argue, some of the most easily forgotten and easily misunderstood verses of Scripture. But friends, we need to hear them this morning because the world as we know it is rapidly changing. The sands of American culture and politics and even evangelicalism are constantly shifting. And so we need to place our feet on solid ground and not get sucked in to the chaos. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. I know that's been read, but let me read it again. Listen carefully now to the word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, we pray that you would now minister to our restless hearts by the power of your spirit. Give us eyes to see the matchless glory and the indisputable authority of our King and Savior. May we find our rest and refuge in him alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now when some Christians read this passage, they think that this verse is teaching you not to plan anything. Or even if you do end up planning for something, you must hold on to that plan loosely. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. He may have something else in store for you, something better perhaps. Don't hold on to a particular 
expectation or outcome, the Lord may surprise you. Look to him. But friends, to read this passage in that way is to not only read the verse out of context, but it also misses the overall message of the book of Proverbs. It misses what it means in light of all of Scripture. Now, the first thing to recognize is that the book of Proverbs is a collection of Israelite wisdom literature. A a proverb is a short saying, a brief expression of truth stated in a memorable way. And and many of these Proverbs are attributed to Solomon. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Proverbs 1 and then 2 and then get to 3 and we'll work our way to Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. So you can keep a finger on Proverbs 1 and 2 and a finger on Proverbs 3, maybe one on Ephesians 5 because we'll be going there uh, later. And if you don't know how to do that, keep fingers and do that on your phone, well, get a real Bible. (laughs) So look at Proverbs 1. Verse 1, Proverbs 1, verse 1, it reads, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. These are writings given to people under the old covenant, a covenant that God made with his redeemed people at Sinai. And the book of Proverbs was written to teach the children of Israel wisdom. You see that purpose clearly stated in Proverbs 1, verse 2. Look at Proverbs 1, verse 2. The writer's goal for the reader is to know what? Wisdom. Wisdom, as one author put it, is the ability to make godly choices in life. I'll say that again. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. And the first nine chapters of Proverbs are written as a series of discourses, talks between a father and a son. And this is where we find ourselves this morning as we look at Proverbs 3. Now, Proverbs 2, go over to Proverbs 2, look at Proverbs 2, verse 6. This passage tells us about the source of wisdom. Where does it come from? And the writer says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So, how does one gain access to this knowledge that can help us make godly choices? Well, you look to God's word. You look to his law, his Torah. This is what the people of Israel were commanded to do, to pass on their word, pass on the word of God to their children. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And that's what this father is doing in the book of Proverbs. He's teaching the word to his son so that he can make wise choices in all that he does. So what makes a choice wise or godly? The fact that it is grounded in the word of God. The fact that it is informed by the word. And so the father tells his son all kinds of things. You can go home and read the book of Proverbs to your children. This is what he says. Don't join hands with murderers. Stay away from the adulteress. Remember that God hates a lying tongue. And so this father wants his son to think and to act according to the clear commandments of God's law. Friends, this is what God calls fathers to do. 
Now, he also calls mothers to teach their children. You see that in the book of Proverbs. But the responsibility inescapably seems to fall on the fathers. And so, parents, let me ask you, are you teaching your children how to think and assess, how to act and feel according to your preferences and your culture? Or are you teaching them how to think and assess, act and feel according to Scripture? Scripture, which is able to make your children wise unto salvation. Brothers and sisters, if you're not doing that, I fear that you may be raising fools and preparing them for eternal shame. Teach your children how to think, not according to the world, but according to Scripture. Teach them how to feel not according to the world, but according to Scripture. God will help you in that. Now, the only way this son in the book of Proverbs can be assured that God is going to help him in the pursuit of wisdom is if he knows his covenant Lord, if he submits to his word from the heart. And so this is the son's covenant obligation towards the God of Israel. And the book of Proverbs has a wonderful phrase to describe that humble heart posture towards God. Solomon calls it, all of you know this, he calls it the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 4. Look at what the father says. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. In other words, let your heart treasure these words. This is not some sort of external moralism or rule keeping. No, he's calling him to keep these words in his heart. And what will be the consequence of doing that? Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do you remember the fifth commandment? Honor your mother and father. And so when you honor your parents, God's earthly authorities over you, those folk, folks that God has given you to teach you his word, God says you will live long in the land. This was a covenant blessing given to the people of Israel under the old covenant. Long life and peace are covenant blessings given to the one who keeps the Lord's commandments. Friends, this is what it meant in Israel to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might, to obey his word and keep his covenant. By the way, the, the peace that is promised here is, is not merely a tranquil state of mind. You know, it's not that kind of peace that, that, that Shifu strives for in Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda, you know, inner peace. He's not talking about that kind of peace. This is a description of a wholesome life, a complete state of well-being. This is a life filled with no lack, with contentment and joy and, and fellowship with the Lord. Or you could say, you could summarize it in this way, that God's redeemed people in keeping covenant and obeying the commandments will have life and have it abundantly. Look at verse 3. Let, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. This is covenantal language used to describe the relationship they had with their Redeemer. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let it be dear to you. 
Verse 4, so you will find favor, that's the Hebrew word for grace, and good success in the sight of God and man. In other words, let this covenantal relationship that you have with the Lord and all that it entails inform how you live your life. This is how you grow in godliness. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. The godly life is the successful life. The godly life is the successful life. And so growing in wisdom, that's the ability to make godly choices, is something that a person does by fearing the Lord and keeping his commandments. Now, what does this look like practically? What does it involve? Well, simply put, growing in wisdom involves a life of daily faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. And those are the two things we will consider in this passage today. Living a godly life, walking in wisdom, involves a life of daily trusting and daily repenting. But first, let's consider that first point. Obedience to the commandments from the heart begins with faith, with trust. Look at verse 5 of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in Yahweh, the Redeemer of Israel. Believe on Him. Have faith in Him. Be confident in Him. Rest securely in Him. Beloved, the Sovereign Lord, is the, He is the King and Creator of the universe. All of reality exists because of Him and for Him. You and I exist because of Him and for Him. He is infinitely holy and wise and loving and just. To trust in the Lord is to trust what He says. To trust His self-revelation. To trust in His covenantal words that are true. And to do it with all your heart. You know, the heart is Scripture's way of describing the real you, the inner self, the, the composite of your mind and will and emotions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the Old Testament way of speaking of the obedience of faith. Friends, the reason that you and I fail to make godly choices and grow in wisdom is because we look at what God says in His Word what he has called us to do. And we don't believe that an infinitely wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, the one and only God knows what he's talking about. It's the sin of unbelief that leads to foolish disobedience. So for example, Ephesians 5 verse 5 says this, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In other words, if you continue down this path of sexual immorality, whether that is pornography or adultery or any other kind or flavor of sexual sin, God's word says, no inheritance. You are going to perish. You are going to hell if you continue down that path. The only reason you will ignore that warning is if you don't believe that's going to happen. You don't believe that that threat is real and that God will do what he says he will do. 
But friends, here's what you need to understand. The opposite of not trusting in God is not no belief, it's trusting in something else. The writer says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. To, to lean on something is to rest on it, to rely on it, to trust in it. The only reason we would do something like that is if we thought of our considerations, our musings, our thoughts as being higher than God's, more trustworthy than his. Oh, yes, yes, I know what God's word says. I know his commandments. I've been in the church for 30 years. But, but it's not practical. You know what will happen if I do that? If I actually obey what it, that says? Do you know the outcome? Hey, frankly, I don't think that the triune God of the Bible has the farsightedness that I have. He hasn't thought this through. He hasn't taken into account all the possible outcomes. And if I do follow through by obeying his command, guess who suffers loss? Not God, me. Does God want me to suffer inconvenience? I mean, I am so awesome. Why would he want me to suffer inconvenience? Of course not. Do you see what all these objections tell you about a person's knowledge of the Lord? Well, either he doesn't know him very well, or he doesn't know him at all. Beloved, faith, trust requires humility. Unbelief demonstrates contempt. To lean on your own understanding is to stand in judgment over God. You know, in this past year, we've heard so many excuses and so many alternatives to obeying the command of Christians coming together, gathering in worship. So many excuses, so many alternatives. I wonder how Christians in the past have thought about this. You know, I'm reminded of that Puritan preacher who once encountered an objection from someone who did not want to gather with the saints. So this member came up to the minister and said, look, I can profit as much by staying at home and reading the scripture or some good book. It is the word of God which they preach and it is that which I read at home. The books that are written by learned men are better than the sermons that are preached by our ministers. Good excuse. Here's what the minister said. What foolish pretenses are these against the plain command of God and our own necessary duty? When God hath appointed you to your duty, will he allow you to forsake it upon your own reason as if you were wiser than God and knew what will profit you better than he? Friends, you see, trusting in the Lord enables you, empowers you to keep his commandments in the pursuit of wisdom. What does this look like in the life of a local church? Well, look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 15. You'll be helped if you turn there quickly. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Here Paul tells us that we are to live wisely, making the best use of time since the days are evil. 
So live wisely. Okay, Paul, well, what, what do you want us to do? Well, he wants us to do the opposite of what a fool would do. Instead of relying on our own understanding, we are to understand what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord, dear friends, is given to us in his spirit-inspired word. Therefore, look to his word and be filled with the spirit. Now, what does that entail? Well, it entails making godly choices to sing scripture-saturated songs in the assembly, giving thanks to God. That's living wisely. Wives submitting to husbands, that's wise. Husbands loving their wives, that's wise. Children obeying their parents, that's wise. Fathers teaching their children, that's wise. Servants obeying their masters from the heart, that's wise. Resisting the schemes of the devil, wise. Why are these godly choices? Why are they wise? Because they come from the mouth of the Lord. This is what he calls us to do. Friends, even if the word of God is silent on one particular thing, it does not mean that we're left in the dark and we cannot walk wisely. No, we must bring all of scripture to bear on a particular decision. Don't lean on your own understanding. Give yourself to knowing God in his word and do it every day and you will grow stronger in your faith and stronger in your love for him. You know, when you're in a pickle, sit down with another brother or sister, another member and study the scriptures together. Study the Bible. You know, ask this member, hey, can you please help me think like a Christian? This is the situation I'm in. Here's the decision that's before me. Help me think wisely. What does the Bible have to say about this? You know, on my way here, I saw your bookstore. What a fantastic resource. You know, make use of those books. Study them, read them together. You know, create a culture of discipleship in this congregation where each one of you is sitting and helping each other grow in wisdom. Pray and ask the Lord that he would give you understanding to apply his word to your life and he will grant you that request. Look at verse 6. Go back to Proverbs 3. Look at verse 6. The writer says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Now, friends, this is further explaining what is involved in trusting the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding. To acknowledge him means to know him well, to be intimately acquainted with him. This is not talking about choosing what you want to do and then praying to God, asking him to put his stamp of approval on your desires and your plans and your decisions. No, far from it. It means in all your undertakings, in all your conduct, the way you think, the way you reason, the way you feel, you recognize his kingship, his authority over you and those around you. You know, if you're a man in this church, this is what it means to be a kingsman. It is to ask the question, how do I choose to act in this situation so as to submit to the lordship of Christ? Brothers and sisters, if you don't do this, then you do not acknowledge him. You know, where I come from, people's lives tend to revolve around their jobs. And, and I suspect that it may not be all that different here. 
You know, work is the first thing that is acknowledged when making a decision. Money is acknowledged. Preferences are taken into consideration. These days, your health and safety is the first thing that is taken into consideration. But friends, do you recognize the Lord's authority? Do you hear in your head the voice of the one who says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me? Does it have any bearing on what you do and how you think? Friends, living as a faithful Christian requires you to give serious attention to the word of God, to submit to its authority, to recognize that where scripture speaks, God speaks. Friends, allow yourself to to marinate, to soak in the word of God so that you can think God's thoughts after him. You know, we cannot ignore what Scripture plainly states and then go do something else and say, I just want to be wise. No, that's being foolish. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You know, I love that old hymn. Many of you will know this. And it goes like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will, what? Say it. Trust and obey. And when you do that, when you walk in the obedience of faith, the text says he will make straight your paths. Now, what does that mean? Well, some people think that this means that everything will be all right. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that the Lord will keep you from going astray. You know, it doesn't mean that if you obey the Lord, he's going to fix all your problems. No, it means that he will keep your way straight. Through all of it, he will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In the book of Proverbs, the straight way is the opposite of the crooked way. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will lead you in the paths of righteousness and he will accomplish his purposes for you. It may not be a popular path. It may not be a broad and comfortable path, but it'll be a straight path. It will be a straight path. Beloved, there is no such thing as as a risk-free obedience for the Christian. Remember the words of Jesus? If you don't take up your cross, you don't deny yourself, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, how can we think as believers that we are called to a risk-free obedience? You will not find that anywhere in the Bible. Ask Paul, ask Daniel, you won't find it. Biblical wisdom is the ability to make godly choices, knowing fully well that the world may crucify you for it. But when people make choices based on what they think is best or pragmatic or perhaps even safe, you know what the Holy Spirit calls that? He says that's being wise in your own eyes. And when you find yourself in that position and you're convicted of that, when a brother or sister points that out to you, oh friends, repent of that. Repent of your foolishness and turn back to the Lord. And that brings us to our second point. 
Growing in wisdom involves a life of daily repentance. Look at the text, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, when you reject the Lord as the fount of all wisdom, you know, all you're left with is yourself. And friends, that is a frightening thought. That is not a good place to be. Scripture teaches us that that is the natural state of all mankind. Outside of Christ, apart from Christ, God's wisdom appears foolish to us, and we think that we understand ourselves best. We think we know what's best for us, and we think that we know what's best for the world around us. Do you remember what Paul says in Romans 3.10? This is the state of all sinners outside of Christ. Paul says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And how does he end that section? He says in Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. No wisdom. You know, there is a kind of thinking, a reasoning that will bring you to ruin. And that is exactly the kind of thinking that brought about the fall that plunged the world into sin and foolishness. Do you remember the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve? What did the serpent say to Eve? He said, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? God's word was very clear, wasn't it? What did he say? He said that they could eat from any tree they wanted, but they were forbidden from eating from one particular tree. God said, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. What was required of man was faith and obedience. Now the serpent comes along and he corrupts Eve's thinking, doesn't he? Up till this point, Eve is dependent on God for definitions. God says what is good. He says what is forbidden. And what was required of Adam and Eve was to trust in the Lord with all their hearts and to not lean on their own understanding. And the serpent said, you won't die if you eat that. Don't believe that. In fact, think of all that you can accomplish. You will be like God, he said. You can decide by yourself, based on your circumstances, what's good and evil. You can become like God, wise. I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want that, Eve, to be a wise, strong, independent woman? Eve, you can find happiness on your own. You can have self-confidence without having to rely on someone else for validation. I mean, do what's right for yourself. And so when she saw that the tree was desired to make one wise... She took and ate, and then after sharing some of her worldly wisdom with Adam, he took and he ate. Adam and Eve signed their declaration of independence, and it all went downhill from there. Didn't make them wise, did it? No, all it did was to make them wise in their own eyes. And what what does God call that wisdom? Evil. Evil. Friends, that's what worldly wisdom is. It's foolishness. It's evil. It does not take you down the path of righteousness or produce the fruit of righteousness. James says in James 3.17 that this kind of wisdom is not from above. 
It's demonic, it's earthly, it's evil. Beloved, are you walking according to the wisdom of the world? Or are you walking in the spirit according to the wisdom of the word? True wisdom does not conform you to the world. It transforms you by the renewing of your mind. It discerns what the will of God is. It tells us how we are called to live as believers in a body. You remember that passage that was read for us from Romans 12 earlier. Paul tells us that we are to love one another with brotherly affection, that we are to be patient in tribulation. We are to weep with those who weep. We are to confront sin. We are to encourage the weak. We are to give cheerfully. How does it end? Romans 12, 16. Never be wise in your own sight. That's not something new Paul is cooking up. He knows his Old Testament very well. These are the words of the Spirit of God. Brothers, did you know that God calls down a curse on those who are wise in their own eyes, on those who arrive at their own ideas and definitions and opinions that are divorced from his word. Isaiah 5 verses 20 to 21 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. You know, we see this happening today, don't we? Definitions are changing before our very eyes. Objective truths have been abandoned for personal preferences. What is male and female is unclear in the minds of many. Marriage has been redefined. Love has been redefined. Justice has been redefined. What, is, what it means to be a church is also up for grabs. Is also up for debate. Take this gathering, for example. The wisdom of this age that is doomed to pass away looks at this gathering. Just go ask your unbelieving neighbors. The wisdom of this age looks at this gathering and sees it as what? Unnecessary, non-essential, unloving, foolish, reckless. According to God's wisdom in his word, this gathering is commanded, it is necessary, it is loving, and get this, Ephesians 3.10, it is a display of God's manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, beware of Satan's wily schemes. You know, what we have in this book is sufficient to help us think about gender and government, elders and preaching, church order and worship, marriage and sex, justice and love, baptism and the Lord's Supper, evangelism and missions, resurrection and the world to come. It is trusting in the Lord, fearing Him alone and turning away from evil that blesses us. Look at verse 8, when you turn away, that's the language of repentance, isn't it? To turn away, to turn away from temptation, turn away from sin and evil. When you fear the Lord and you turn away from evil, the text says what? Verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. 
Friends, being wise in your own eyes is spiritual sickness. Repenting and turning away brings spiritual health and flourishing. God's way is medicine for your soul. It is pleasant. It is good. It is sweeter than honey. This is how God wants us to flourish. You know, under the old covenant, literal good health and long life were blessings given for covenant keeping. Death, disease, and famine were curses that came upon the people for breaking the covenant. And what Solomon is teaching his son is that wisdom is the path to abundant life. A life of faith and repentance is integral to keeping the Lord's commandments. But friends, when you turn away from evil, where do you turn to? Well, you turn back to the Lord whose law now tells us that we have a problem. We can't keep his commandments on our own. The law is like a mirror that shows us that our faces are dirty. We're covenant breakers and we stand under the Lord's judgment. We need a savior. See, even Solomon himself could not keep the Lord's covenant and neither did his son. They did not fear the Lord and they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. If you remember, Israel as a nation was called God's son. And they too did not obey God's law or keep his covenant. But God promised David that he would send another son, an obedient son, one who would bring these covenant blessings to people of every nation. And so God promised a new covenant to his people through the prophet Jeremiah where he would not only give his people new hearts, but he would also put the fear of him in them, in their hearts, so that they would not turn away from him. See, the law would no longer be external to them, but God would write it on their hearts. He would give them new hearts. He would put his spirit within them so that he, they could truly trust in him and truly fear him and turn away from their own wisdom. You know, God accomplished this through someone greater and wiser than Solomon. He did this through his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the son of God incarnate, He is the true covenant son who not only listens and does what the father teaches him, but he perfectly trusts and obeys and keeps the covenant. And so all those blessings that Israel forfeited because of their covenant unfaithfulness and all the blessings that we as sinners have forfeited because of our disobedience, Jesus has won by his merit. He receives all the blessings for covenant obedience that we could have never received because of our sin and foolishness. But friends, there's more. Here's the good news for foolish people who have spurned a wise God and have chosen the tragedy of human wisdom. Jesus, the faithful son, the only son who ever lived and kept that covenant, he died in the place of his people, in the place of every foolish covenant breaker. And he did this so that whoever repents of their sin and trusts in him as their substitute could have life and have it abundantly. Do you remember the covenant blessing for a faithful son? What's the covenant blessing for a faithful son? You will live long in the land. That didn't happen to Jesus, did it? No, he died in our place. He was put to death. He was cut off from the land of the living, not for his unfaithfulness, but for ours. 
He bore those covenant curses and he became a curse for us so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters through faith in him. And then he rose from the dead on the third day so that we could have life, eternal life, so that we could live long in the land, not in the land of Israel, but in the new heavens and the new earth, in fellowship with him, enjoying peace forever. Brothers and sisters, this is the wisdom that saves. If you don't know Christ in this way, if you do not fear him, if you think lightly of his word, well, turn away from your sin. Repent of your sin. Acknowledge your foolishness before an all-wise and holy God and put your trust in Jesus. You know, the way that God destroys human wisdom and brings us back to true wisdom is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This kind of faith is a gift of saving grace and so is the fear of the Lord. You see, Jesus is the wisdom of God in the flesh. Colossians 2.3 says that he is the source of all wisdom. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, Southside Baptist Church, what does this mean for you? It means let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how you will grow in wisdom. Christ has come so that by faith in him, we might walk in wisdom by the power of his spirit. Wisdom is the path to abundant life because wisdom is a person. You know, some trust in governments, some in ideologies and theories, others trust in vaccines. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let's pray. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Oh Lord, we give you praise for what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. Because of him, we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God the Spirit of Christ. Oh Lord, we pray that we might trust and obey your word. Keep our feet firmly planted on the rock and empower us to wholly lean on Jesus' name. In his beautiful name we pray. Amen.